We're kicking off a brand new series this morning. In April, we looked at a, a topic called Walking with the Invisible One. Walking with God, walking with Holy Spirit. And we then in May looked at uh, Only One Thing Matters and the, the, the focus that the Christian life isn't about adding lots and lots of things. It's actually only about one simple thing. And that is about being with God and connecting to God. And the reality is there is no substitute for an intimate connection and relationship with Jesus. That God gives us all things to enjoy, but there's nothing that comes anywhere close to having a relationship with God. But the question sometimes people ask is, and how? <laughs> and okay, I get that you can walk with the invisible one, with God. I get that only one thing matters, but the question I've got is, what does this actually look like in my life? What can I do to walk with the invisible one? What does it look like for only one thing to matter? It's possible for us to live consciously aware of God every day. It's actually possible to hear his voice every day. It's actually possible to connect to Jesus every day. That we don't have to go from Sunday to Sunday until our next encounter with Jesus. We can actually develop and cultivate a relationship where we connect and are intimate with him every single day. And I want to talk a little bit about this morning, so what blocks us from enjoying this relationship that God wants us to have? What's actually stopping us from actually enjoying God in the way that he offers and promises to be enjoyed. Um, in Pete Carter's book, Raising Lazarus, he talks about, uh, as a GP, a lady who used to regularly visit him and she was struggling to lose weight. And she would come from time to time saying she tried this diet and tried that diet and nothing was really working and she was never losing the weight. And Sometime later, she came to see uh, Dr. Carter and she said, actually, I'm beginning to lose weight. <laughs> Something's changed. Um, her self-confidence was going up and the kilos were dropping off. The trouble was the kilos kept dropping off and she was losing more and more weight until she was becoming quite unwell. And so people began to get anxious and fearful, thinking, what's happening here? Why are you losing so much weight suddenly? And so she had lots of tests, and, uh, and the test came back negative. And then Pete says in his book, then we thought, maybe she's just not absorbing the food. She's eating and eating and eating, but she's actually not absorbing what she's eating. So she's losing weight because her body is taking in all these nutrients and all this food, but it's not absorbing the goodness that's in the food. They realized she had some kind of allergy, they medicated that, and the weight started going back on. And then he says in the chapter in his book, until eventually she was the same weight she was at the first visit, at the first <laughs> consultation. And he makes the point in his book, he says... Many of us as believers who are suffering from something called spiritual malabsorption. He says we live in an age where we just can get so much spiritual food 
There is so much. There's never been an age where you can just get food from spiritual food from all over the world. You can see a book that you want to read and you can click and you can have it on your phone in as instant and there's podcasts and there's videos and there's live conferences and there's Bibles apps and there's Bibles on your phone and we just can get so much spiritual food but then we wonder and we, we wonder why am I not growing and maturing and developing given that I'm taking in so much. So sometimes we can feel, why am I just not growing in the way I want to grow? It's not that I'm not taking in spiritual food. I'm hearing, I'm listening, I'm getting stuff and I'm reading. But why am I not growing in the way I want to grow? Why is this not benefiting me in the way I want it to? Why is all this food not leading me to live consciously aware of the one who is always with me? Why am I not growing and maturing in the way I expect? And we could say from that illustration is that we're taking in the food, but we're not digesting it and absorbing it in a way that's doing us good. So this series called Practicing the Presence of God is really a series that's looking at how we take in spiritual food and then how we make sure that we're absorbing and drawing out all the, the nutrition from the things that we are eating. It's looking at practices that lead us to grow spiritually. It's looking at practices where things that we hear move from our head that we know it to our heart, that we know it in a deep way, that it's affecting our emotions, the words we speak, the way we feel and the way we look and see the world. So we're looking at practices that cause the reality of the one who is always present, that reality to actually affect the way we live our lives and see the world. So this series then is looking at how we create a rhythm, how we create regular pauses, how we live a life that actually gives God access to our hearts on a regular basis. And the things we're looking at aren't necessarily that you are having to add hundreds of hours to your day to try and connect to God. We're not talking about striving to find God. We're not talking about having to work really hard so that you can grow. God doesn't want us to burst a blood vessel with our intensity for him. He's actually pursuing us and wants to be found, that he wants to bring us on a collision course with his love. That's who he is. He doesn't hide from us. He's not making it difficult to find him. But we just need practices that slow us down and create a rhythm and a space where we can connect to God, where we can hear his voice, where we can exchange where we can receive, where we can be built up spiritually. So that God becomes the source of our emotional health. That's what this is about. Nothing is a substitute for an encounter with Jesus. Nothing is a substitute for an intimate relationship with Holy Spirit. Nothing is. 
All the great things that God gives us to enjoy are just pointers to the ultimate expression, which is connecting to God. God wants you and I to be so full of God that we overflow wherever we are. That's his goal for us. Not just that we've received something in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening or in different ways in which we might connect to God. It's that we might be so full that we overflow. So when we look at these practices, you are going to see some of them and think, That's one, that one is for me, that's how I'm going to cultivate my relationship with God. And you might see other practices and think, actually that one's not for me. Or you might hear the way we talk about it or the way we model it and think, that's really a good practice, but I'm going to be creative and the way I apply it and the way I use it, it's going to look different in my relationship to Jesus than it does with yours. And that's really good because everybody's friendship with Jesus is unique. And the way you connect to him and hear his voice and the way he speaks to you, he knows you, you're his sheep, my sheep hear my voice. It's going to be unique the way one person develops a friendship with Jesus and the things they practice and the way another person does because he knows you personally and this morning I want to look at one of the practices which is called meditating on the Bible and and how you do this again will look very very different it's about how to draw out the nutrients of the Bible to get the meat off every bone so that you get all the juices and everything that God's got in there for you and we're going to look at Psalms 1 it's a great chapter is a great psalm on the power of meditating on God's word and I can guarantee you this that God wants to encounter you God wants to speak to you God wants to refresh you and God wants to be a source of life to each one of you Psalm 1 says, blessed is the one, or happy is the one, who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, or we could say whose delight is in the whole of scripture, who meditates on his law day and night. The psalmist then says, this person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. And you can look in Joshua chapter 1 and you can find almost an identical set of promises given to Joshua as he's about to invade the land. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7, God commands Joshua and says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn to it um, from do not turn to from it uh, to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go, or you may make your own way successful and prosperous. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Or, like I said, then you will make your way prosperous and successful. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so those two portions of the Bible are telling us about this powerful practice called meditating on Scripture. And it's saying that, hey Joshua, you can make your own way prosperous and successful. You're going to be able to walk in the prophetic callings of God and you're going to lead these people to inherit this land I promised them. How? By keeping in front of you absolutely everything I've said by meditating on it. Psalm 1 is saying, hey, you can have a source, you can have rivers, you can connect to life. How? By meditating and considering what God has said. So the New Testament example would be Luke 8.18, where Jesus said, consider carefully how you listen. Consider carefully how you listen. And I think that's part of the issue of our day. We are bombarded with so many messages and so much spirituality, so many preachers, so many books, so many sermons, so many times we just read whole chunks of the Bible and we don't digest it and it doesn't become strength to us because we're not really careful how we listen and we're not really practicing biblical meditation so that we get its nutrients into us. So meditating on scripture is about active listening. Because sometimes we've got this thing in our head that God is pleased with us if we say, I read five chunks of the Bible or five chapters of the Bible, that somehow God looks at us and says, I'm so pleased with you because you've just read four chapters. And we think, yeah, God, I've read the Bible today. And then we think, I can't remember a single thing that I read. There's nothing wrong with overarching Bible reading. I love it. It's one of my practices. I read two to three chapters a day personally. I go through the, 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 the Bible in about a year and a half just to get an overview of the whole book. That's great because it gives you a sense of the, the story of the Bible, which is God pursues and loves people. But there's something about meditating on Scripture that takes particular portions of the Bible and says, I'm going to actively listen to that bit of the Bible. I'm going to actively think about it. I'm going to think about what God is saying in those portions, and I'm going to think about it over and over again. Meditating in, in the Bible is different to the idea of Eastern meditation, which is kind of empty your brain and connect to the great spirit world, Biblical meditation is filling your head with what God has said in order to encounter God. It's different to just emptying your mind. It's filling your mind, it's rehearsing it, it's singing it, it's muttering it under your breath. It's walking along in the street and talking to yourself about it and connecting scriptures and connecting verses and connecting ideas and thinking about them and meditating on them. It's singing them out. It's singing about them. It's singing them to God. It's singing them to yourself until you've got every single nutrient out of that scripture that's jumped out. It's looking at a verse from every angle so you can see the implications and you can see how this connects to that and you can see how it works. It's thinking deeply. Meditation on scripture is how we get transformed by the renewing 
of our minds. It's a way of taking every thought captive. It's a way of fighting. It's a way of spiritual warfare. It's a way of thinking like God. Meditating on the, on the Bible is how we keep God in front of us. Wherever we go, I think meditating on the Bible and memorising the Bible so that when you pause, you can actually think, I'm going to think about that verse I'm meditating on. I'm going to think about that verse I've memorised. I'm going to allow it to become strength to me. Meditating on the Bible is a way of having fresh encounters with God throughout the day. It's not about how long, it's about what's going on in your head. You're filling your head with God thoughts. God said to Joshua, you know, you can be strong and you can be courageous and you don't need to be discouraged and you can be free of anxiety by meditating on this book of the law night and day. Think about it, ponder it, consider it. It's how we draw upon God. It's an ongoing encounter and interaction. So let's go back to Psalm 1 then. We see in Psalm 1, powerful, powerful things are happening to the person who's made a decision to ponder what God says night and day. It says that person, that person, that person who meditates on God's word, mutters it, thinks about it day and night, that person is like a tree. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. That person is like a tree. See, that person is like somebody who lives in a, in a drought and there's no water anywhere. And that person is like a tree that's carefully been planted by the banks of the river. That person is like a person who can walk into work and there's crises and pressures, can walk in society where there's speculation and fear about the future, can walk into situations which for another person would be overwhelming and crushing, but the person who meditates on scripture is like a tree planted by streams of water. This is a person who has made it their practice to put their roots deep, deep down into streams. Into streams. There might be dryness everywhere, there might be barrenness everywhere, there might be drought everywhere, but the person who meditates on God's word has a source, has a secret source. They know where to get life. They know how to draw on God. They know how to have an ongoing encounter. They're not waiting for the next Sunday because when they come to the next Sunday, what they've got is overflow because they've got a source. They're not coming to get topped up. They're coming to overflow wherever they are because they've got a source, because they've got roots going into streams of water, streams of water. And the psalmist then says, that tree is like a, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. They've got a fruitful life. In John 15, it says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who abides in me, they're going to be fruitful because they know how to draw on life. 
If you want to know how to have a fruitful life in the way you, you've been made and the way you've been called to overflow, then I'd say that you need to find a way of keeping the Bible and what God says specifically to you in front of you so that you're muttering it and thinking about it and rehearsing it and singing over it and considering it and looking at it from every angle. And see, even if you only read Romans 6 for the whole year and that was all you read, you would, you would find a life that you put your roots into. You'd be finding yourself, you know what, I consider myself dead to sin and alive to God. A slave to righteousness, not a slave to sin. You have been resurrected to a newness of life. If you just meditated just on that one chapter, you'd be drawing out all the nutrients that are found in chapter 6 of Romans and you could do that for a lifetime and still find you are still drawing and drawing and drawing. They have a fruitful life, a life with life in it. It says they have a durable life. A durable life whose leaf does not wither. There might be uncertainty all around, but their leaf is always green because they've got roots going deep down into a source. So everybody else is around, drying up with anxiety and panic and fear. The one who meditates on God's word has found a source, a river, a stream, a living water that causes their tree to both bear fruit and not wither. When Even when the heated winds come, there's a source that they've tapped into. And it says they've got a prosperous life. Whatever they do prospers. It's an interesting thing because Jesus said in this life you're going to have hardship. So it can't mean that the person who meditates on scripture just has an easy life and a life without hardship. It, it must be about what free, free John talks about, may it go well with your body as your soul prospers. And it's true that the person whose internal world has a prosperity, a <coughs> prosperity of peace, of hope, and joy, that person is more likely to make good and wise choices and decisions. It's true that they're going to be the kind of person who doesn't stand in the way of sinners and doesn't, uh, doesn't walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mock mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. There's a truth that there's reaping and sowing that's being birthed into the whole way that society works. It's true that if you sow to righteousness, you reap righteousness. It's true that if you sow to love and joy and kindness and generosity, you do reap back a type of prosperity in your relationships and with people. It's true that the person with a prosperous soul who's learned to draw from God, is probably the person that someone wants to employ more than the person whose soul is all shriveled up with wickedness and anger and bitterness and envy and strife. And yet at the same time, we're walking in a world that's fallen and we're walking in a world where Jesus said, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In other words, you're walking through this world like everybody else. And sometimes the things of sickness and life and recession and difficulty and pain and hardship and, pe and injustice is hitting you like it's hitting other people. And yet you've got a source. 
So you can bear fruit in season and your, your leaf doesn't wither and you are prosperous in that sense, whatever you do. You've got an inner life. You've got an emotional health. There's an inner world that's possible that's actually free from being angry and irritated and frustrated and controlled by negative emotions. You can have a place that's ruled increasingly by shalom, the wholeness of heaven. And a key to that is meditating on scripture. Now, the person who meditates on scripture is full so that they overflow. I want to say that there's a difference between there's a difference between saying things that sound wise because we read them in a book. There's a difference between just quoting things that sound spiritual to having a life that's overflowing. There's a difference between having a lot of head knowledge about God and living from an encounter with God. There's a difference between digesting lots of food but having a spiritual malabsorption of it to the person who's drawing deep on a supernatural exchange with God in a secret place, however that looks. Because that person has a life with life in it. He's having a life with life in it that bubbles up, that bubbles up, that bubbles up and overflows, that bubbles up and bubbles up and bubbles up and overflows. That's how a person becomes not the tail but the head. And that's how a person becomes the biggest influencer in any environment they're in whether it's hostile to them, whether it's open to Jesus, whether it's closed to Jesus, whether it's an illegal thing to speak about Jesus, you can't keep this kind of life in. It bubbles up and it will touch and change and it's very attractive and people see it and they instinctively are drawn to it even though the way you're living this bubble up is just by being super kind and super peaceful and super loving. Maybe you're not even allowed to talk about Jesus, but there's a life in you that bubbles up, that's overflowing. That's why you hear about people in hospitals who walk along and whole hospitals get emptied out because there's overflowing believers who are just walking in the corridors of a hospital. Hospital in America got closed down for nearly three months, a whole department, just because some believers walked along a corridor full of God, Full of, a, full of the reality of God in them, and they just walked along casually, and people were getting healed and leaving the hospital. You can be so full because you're drawing on God that you have an impartation of life to give away. And this is for anybody. This is a promise that the Bible's saying, you can be like a tree planted by streams of water. You can bear fruit in season. You can have an impartation to give away. How many of you want to be the kind of person that when people come to you, they get refreshed and they get nourished and they get inspired and they get lifted up 
and they get strength from you. The people would go away from you saying, I don't know what you did, but I'm fed. <laughs> I don't know what you said completely yet, but I had a ex- spiritual experience about being fed. To be the kind of person who's got life in them, who can go into a room, whatever that room is, and be part of the transformation of the atmosphere and the environment of that room, because they're not looking for the environment to give them life. I brought it with me. I brought it with me, and I know how to get more of it. And so I can give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away, and I know where to get more of it, because I've got a source. I, I can just put my roots down again and draw on that source. So I've got life to give away, I've got victory to give away, I've got encouragement to give away, I've got healing to give away, and I don't have to get overwhelmed, exhausted and burnt out because I'm drawing upon a loving, intimate connection with Jesus. And I can put my roots into him all day, every day, and draw on him. See, in closing, Bible meditation is not a practice to somehow... Uh, get somewhere it's a means of enjoying the relationship that's already on offer it's a way of keeping the door open to quote revelation free so that jesus can keep coming in and eating with us it's not there are hundreds of practices that we do and if we do them all perfectly enough maybe just maybe we can encounter jesus and overflow it's just different things we do with jesus you meditate on the scriptures with Jesus. Not to get to Jesus, but with Jesus. 